It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey guys, Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast, letting you know that we are moving. We are going to be by ourselves on the Apple podcast platform. So make sure you sign up right now to continue getting Inside the Birds. Go to Apple Podcasts, search Inside the Birds podcast from Adam Kaplan and Jeff Mosher, and make sure you're a subscriber. For now, we'll still be part of Go Birds Network, but we are moving soon to Apple Podcasts and standing alone by ourselves. So make sure you go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the Inside the Birds podcast. Inside the Birds is... What's going on, everyone? Jeff Mosher here, Adam Kaplan alongside me, and um, we have entered what we call the dead period of the NFL. OTAs are over. This is the time where coaches and front office people sit at home and they pray that none of their players end up in the police blotter. Or get a phone call. Or get that phone call <laughs> late night. I need help. I just got pinched. You know, a, uh, like a Daryl Worley from a couple of years Ooh, ago. DJ Worley, whatever. The, the Daryl Worley, you're yeah, right. Daryl yeah. Worley. Um, Adam... It's the dead zone for your voice, and we're going to explain <laughs> to our listeners that you have spent the weekend, uh, you were down in, um, where was it again? At the Jets Complex. At the Je- I'm sorry, up in Florham Park, yeah. New Jersey, broadcasting games for the, the Ameri- flag football yeah, league, the, the American flag football The American league. flag football league. It is the biggest flag football league in the world. Now, I, did, I didn't know how big flag was until I got involved. Jeff Lewis, the owner, I uh, wound up working for him through my agent, and um, let me put it to you this way. The best flag team beat an NFL, a team made up of NFL people last year, NFL, ex-NFL players. Now, right. fast forward to this year, Jeff. The Florida Fury team, led by Danny Werfel, former University of Florida national champion, and some of his ex-NFL friends like Michael Vick mm-hmm. and, and others, 
Uh, they pushed the top flag team in the world, the fighting cancer team from New Orleans, to the limit. In fact, Danny's team was up by 15, but they imploded. The game, unfortunately, went to overtime, and they lost. But it was probably the best football game I've ever seen. I happen to be the play-by-play guy for it, so maybe I'm biased. But mm-hmm. the best part about these games are is you, when you think something is going to happen, it doesn't happen. Like if a team has a big lead, they choke on it. And a lot of it has to do, do with time management. The best thing you can say about this flag league, it, it's very there's a good parallel from NFL football to flag. It's seven on seven, mm-hmm. although flag could be four on four, eight on eight, nine on nine, whatever you want to do. Jeff Lewis, the owner, was smart. He did seven on seven. Jeff, as you know from going to to camps and OTAs, every NFL team runs seven on seven. Yep. It's a passing drill. You you can run a little bit in here, but it's it's almost all passing. And Jason Avon, our friend number former number eighty one. Uh, for the Eagles and Chiefs, I think he ended his career with the Panthers. Panthers. Yeah, yeah, Panthers, right? So Jason was tremendous. He was so good that the fighting cancer team couldn't handle him because Jason's too strong and big for him. He put on a route running clinic, but second half they shut him down because they doubled him. So it's it's unbelievable football. If you go to my Twitter account, uh, you could see it, the links. and At Kaplan NFL. Correct. Right, right. And uh, you could follow the AFFL at, at uh, Flag Football right. uh, on Twitter. AFFL.com. So now, amazingly, you broadcast nine games yeah. in one day. Yeah. Well, actually, two days. Six and on Saturday. Days. Still, <laughs> it was crazy, and it's not like they gave me four hours off. Right. It, how many it, minutes between games? Twelve again? games. <laughs> no. Now, how many minutes between games? Twelve. Twelve minutes. So, so <laughs> though I got a break, so I started on oh, Saturday okay. at eleven a.m. Uh-huh. I got up there Friday to scout a little bit, talk to the players, talk to the refs. The refs are unbelievable, by the way. The bet they an SEC official. Oh wow, it was great. So to fast forward this, uh, so. I met uh, I met those guys on Friday. Saturday, I started at 11 a.m. My first break was at 5 o'clock. So, obviously, if you're getting in, let me see, four games, uh-huh. and they're exciting, and I'm an excitable guy. You know me. I'm yeah. into it. So, uh, my energy by the fourth game was struggling, and you start losing your focus the longer that you do it because you're you're trying to comprehend everything that you're seeing, and you're trying to concentrate and also, um, you know, I have Michael Griffin, the former Titan safety for first round, who's terrific, very smart. Right. I'm trying to uh, get these guys involved, obviously. Sure. I'm trying to turn it over to them, really, because they're the experts. And then, um, you know, we had Jeff Lewis, who owns it, and uh, another guy who, who did it with me. So it was great. And, so real uh, quick, what's your yeah. catchphrase? Like, do you have a, uh, you know, like a, whoa, Nelly from Keith Jackson? Not really. Or, uh, I, I don't. It is hard. I, it is far. I, you know, it's funny. No, because... I try to stay in the moment. Yeah, you're not a John Sterling type? Okay. No, I, I never really came up with anything because I never gave any thought. I'm so busy. Like Saturday, I mean, I, I didn't return. Yes! Like, t- <laughs> like, like yes, and it counts, right. So, no, but it, it was great. And you, you covered it. You helped us last year. Yeah. We appreciated uh, your coverage of it. You, do, so, did you, who did you talk to last year about Oh, it? Uh, well, a lot of people with Eagles ties. Michael Vick, um, yeah. Brandon Boykin. Brandon Boykin, We're going to get yeah. into a little bit later in this podcast because Brandon Boykin, at one point, was looking like the best drafted Eagles corner in a mm. long, long time, but I think we may have been a fourth coming rounder too, right? as a fourth rounder, yeah. and we he, he flamed out quickly. Injuries played a part in that. Scheme played a part in that, but we're going to talk about some as Eagles we transition, that, sure. that we've seen. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was fascinating because of all the former Eagle flavor in it. There was uh, J- Steve Smith, the former oh, yeah. Giant slash Eagle. Yeah, never that's right. As an Eagle. That's right. Um, let's see. So there was Boykin, there was Avant, there was Steve Smith, there was Mike Vick. 
And I thought there was a fifth guy I, I spoke to who yeah. had some ties to Might the Eagles. Been. But yeah. it's amazing just how much Eagle flavor it was is in. It is unbelievable football. football. We, appreciate, we appreciate the support. I think we got some around 100 million page views on well, Saturday. That's, that's amazing, man. Or Sunday, excuse me, on Sunday, on a Sunday, for goodness sake. But uh, we really appreciate the support. But awesome. as you said, Eagles flavor. And man, as Jeff just said, this may be the dead period, but for our purposes, there's so much going on. The front office has been revamped. Joe yeah. Douglas left, as we expected. We've got OTs to recap. We've got a lot to get to. And we're going to get to a lot of questions. To, uh, we'll give answers for questions from our listeners. We didn't get to it last time because we ran out of time a little bit, so we'll make sure we do that. I think that we did a pretty good job, if I you know, can humbly say so, last week, Adam, in our Inside the Birds podcast. We talked about the crossroads sort of effect that the Eagles were at in that they've just lost Joe Douglas, who has been one of their more successful executives in quite a while, and there was a vacancy there, and there were a number of different names either fans had heard or we've heard kind of tossed around for that spot. And we, we you and I talk about the importance of carrying on what Joe Douglas brought to this franchise. And what he brought to the franchise was a scouting philosophy, a scouting culture that he mostly learned coming up through the Ravens system. And he brought stability to a scouting department that had been a rotating door for quite a while before he got here. And we talked about the importance of maintaining that. And I think we also said we were hearing that don't just get locked into Andrew Barrier. Don't think that Howie is going to do one thing or another. We've got to, we felt, you and I, that Andy Weidel, who was Joe Douglas's number two, was probably going to have a prominent voice. And sure enough, the next day, I think it was, that Howie said something about it. And then on Friday, you saw the, the list of promotions. Andy Weidel uh, was Joe Douglas' number two. Well, he's now he's right Joe man. Douglas. Yep. He is now yep. the, the vice president of player personnel. Ian Cunningham, a guy that Joe brought in as a college scout from the Ravens, is now Andy Weidel's old job as, as number two. to He's now in number two to Andy Weidel. And then a number of guys, if you look down the list, got promotions, and those were guys that Joe Douglas brought in. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on why I think that's really significant. Before I get into them, why do you think? That these moves were. I assume you believe, based on what we talked about last week, that these were necessary and significant yeah, moves. Yeah, we, we tried to give you everything that we could uh, within reason. I mean, we we were reasonably sure we had it nailed and we get it, we got it all right. Correct. My sense was talking to people close to situations that Howie wanted to keep everything the same, continuity going. The Baltimore scouting system, the, the, the grade, however they grade by number, I don't know how that works, but mm-hmm. it, I think it's by number. Right. And. Because if you don't, if if they, they were not going to let Weidel go, he had I'm told he had one year left on his contract. Uh, and, and talking to fr- a friend from uh, of Weidel's around the league, he was happy to stay. He, mm-hmm. Although Joe Douglas is his best friend, um, I think I look at it this when we talk about Weidel before we get the other stuff. Based on the way this roster looks, based on the Wentz is back, knock on wood that they're healthy. This is going to be a very good football team. If you're Andy Weidel, why would you want to go to the Jets other than Joe's your best friend? You're not going to make the personnel decisions. It's the same role, other than he's right now. Andy's number two in the Eagles personnel department. Howie's number one. Mm-hmm. You're going to be two anyway. And the other, why would you want to go anyway? Other than to work with Joe again? Okay, right. it sounds like you can't talk if you want to talk to him. You guys are friends. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, you're in a better position to be the general manager. Look, sum this up. Waddle's going to be on a list to interview for a GM job next year if the Eagles are good this season, which is almost certain to happen. Absolutely. I think Andy made a good choice to stay here knowing that this team has been very successful with the culture that they've established, with Howie doing his thing contractually, um, having Carson Wentz here, and it's going to put him in position to maybe get the same type of GM job that Joe Douglas got. More importantly for the Eagles, in my opinion, Adam, is this, is that 
there are certain teams in the NFL, and, and I think for fans, it's harder to understand a little bit because guys like Andy Weidel, guys like Ian Cunningham, guys like Alan Walking or Anthony Patch, they don't know who they are. Like when, when things go well or when things go poorly during the NFL season, you don't hear callers or we don't get questions like, what, why isn't Ian Cunningham doing his job? Oh, right. <laughs> why isn't Alan Walking doing his job? Right? Yeah, they're, right. they're nameless, fam- faceless people, but in the bigger picture – Continuity in a front office, to me, is the backbone to long-term sustained success. Any team can win a Super Bowl because they caught lightning in a bottle or had a quarterback play out of his mind or had a great defense out of his mind, play, play out of its mind, and win a Super Bowl, but then never get back. Or any team can have some good years. You've seen the Jets actually have some good years, right? Mark Sanchez. They had some good years, but back to back championships. But they've been yeah. known for having a poor front office and a poor scouting department for a long time, right? And that's why Joe Douglas is there to have long term, sustained success the way the Steelers do, the way the Ravens often do, the way the Packers have, Seahawks lately. I really believe the the backbone to that is having stability in your front office. And Howie Roseman, by taking the Joe Douglas hires and rewarding them by saying you have prominent voices, you have been important to what we've done here. You now have stability. If all those guys were out the door, you know, following Joe Douglas, you bring in new people. If you don't promote Andy Weidel and take, say, Andrew Berry and put him at the top, well, what you're doing then is now taking a new mindset, a new grading system you talked about, a new cult, a new everything, and you have to have that trickle down to your bottom. And then you have to have the, the, the coaches that you're working with get on board with that. Right now, things are working well. The coaches know what... Um, the, the scouts know what the coaches want. The coaches work well with the scouts. There's one voice. There's a philosophy. There is a, a model for the player that the scouts need to get for the coaches, and that is very consistent. And when you have that consistency, everybody can do their job a little bit easier. It's like surgery at the surgery table, right? You got your anesthesiologist, you got your head <laughs> surgeon, you got your assistants, you got your aides. Like They all have to work together. And if one or two people don't know what the the message is, that person on the table is not in good shape, right? Yeah, I agree with you. So, so this is a good thing. Stability is mm-hmm. a good thing, and you have that now. It is. It is. Considering you, you went to the Super Bowl two years ago, and you made the playoffs despite having 14 players on IR at one point. So, yeah, I, I think so. And... I think Weidel's in a great position, as he said, to be a GM next year if it all goes well. Ian Cunningham now has he's now going to be exposed to the pro side. He was just a college guy. Now his title is assistant director of player personnel. Now what I what the reason why I'm bringing up the title is sometimes titles don't are not really reflective of what the guy does. I know Champ Kelly with the Bears is the same title, but he's actually the pro director. He's Correct. not the college. He 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 only is working with one side. Ian now will take. Waddle's old job, which is both. Mm-hmm. So this is really important. If Andy leaves next year, Harry Roseman will have a choice. He'll promote Ian Cunningham to Andy's job of VP of player personnel or move Andrew Burry up. And Andrew Burry now, now he's going to be in full-time. Remember, he came in earlier this year. Mm-hmm. How he could give him more responsibility, which I expect to happen, though his title hasn't changed. It doesn't matter. He'll, I'm sure, have a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all good, as Jeff said. It's all good. Uh, we told you about Brandon Brown a week ago before how he talked about it. He got promoted to director of pro scouting. Right. He's a really smart young guy who people really like around the league. And Another guy who hired under he, Joe Douglas here. Yeah, and they, they've brought in some great scouts, man, over the years. And mm-hmm. uh, they brought Patrick Stewart in from New England. And you know what I like? Here's another thing. Jeremiah Washburn, one of the better young offensive line coaches. They bring him in as an advanced projects coordinator. Uh, Matt Burke, who... Was the, the offense, right. right former D coordinator? I, I told it's really funny. So I'm looking. I'm on practice last week. I'm like, who's that guy with the beard? I'm like, where have I seen this guy before? Uh huh. 
I couldn't. I didn't ask anyone. So, so what? What I what I did is I went to the, the you know I went to the team website. I'm like, oh my god, Matt Burke, I totally forgot he's here. He's a really good coach. Now, now I'm not saying that Jim Schwartz will get a head coaching job next year, but naturally, if Schwartz does, and Schwartz doesn't bring Matt Burke for him. There's your replacement for him. Yep, and it keeps that city. You yeah. don't have to go find different players. You're still probably going to play a one gap wide nine scheme. It's perfect. Exactly. Right. So don't I, have to change I, I have no. I, look, Jim and Matt are close. Obviously, he coached for Jim in, in Detroit. Mm-hmm. It's just stuff that you think of, and good front offices always think uh, they're forward thinking. Though I don't have no. I, you know, I'm assuming it was just a Schwartz move to bring him in because he knows him to help him out. Right. But uh, it, they're they're so well set up for the future, and it's a credit to Roseman and Jeffrey Laurie, and and, and obviously. Joe, the departing Joe Douglas, who's now with the Jets, has set everything up right. Right now, here's a really important observation on Howie's part. I'm going to give Howie Roseman a lot of credit. I spoke to a lot of people around the league. Not a lot of people. I just had a conversation with a few people around the league after Joe left, and a couple of those people had direct ties in some way to the Eagles. They either work with them or know them, and a, a, many of them articulated to me that they were kind of curious what Howie was going to do now with to replace Joe Douglas, and what they meant was. You have a Howie Roseman's a Super Bowl winning GM. He's considered one of the best, if not the best, GM in the NFL right now. Certainly one of the, and he has a lot of clout. We know this, right? We also know he brought in a couple of people. Andrew Berry being one of them from Cleveland, and people and Andrew Berry has scouting in his background, but he's he was really in Cleveland as part of their analytics rebuild, and he's brought here to preside over the analytics staff, right? And people were wondering. What Howie was going to do. Was he going to take this opportunity of Joe Douglas leaving to promote his own guy and push Andrew Berry to the top and maybe let the Joe Douglas guys leave and maybe herald a new era of, of, of analytics is going to take over? Full court press on our analytics? Or is he going to continue to have this marriage between analytics and traditional field scouting? His actions showed a, a person who was not ego-driven and not arrogant and not I'm putting my own guys in there, but I am going to reward guys Joe Douglas brought in and I'm going to continue to try to have this marriage between analytics and traditional field Just both, yeah. And I think yeah, that's important. really huge. It's important to note because you're yeah. right. I had some from another team say to me, oh, well, how is going to get what he wants now with, with analytics? I go, no, I'm I don't think you, so. A lot of people thought that. Yeah, I, yep. it's actually both uh, to how he's credited. Here's where he's changed when he came back in 16. You know, like a lot of us, we criticize Howie, and rightfully so, but sure. the way he handled himself and just understand. Like, I thought for sure he'd fire everyone that worked for Chip. No, he kept, and, and guys that Gamble brought in, no, mm-hmm. he kept those guys. Some and, of them, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, Ed Manowitz had to go, but right. that's just, it is what it is. Ed's, Ed's a talented guy, but it was because of the relationships. But, uh, and Ed's doing very well as an agent, by the way. Mm-hmm. To make a long story short, Howie had to make a choice. Your job is not to hold grudges. Your job is to evaluate people. If they can help you win, put your ego to the side and go win. Right. You don't have to be best friends with the guy. Just get along. That's all. Yeah. No, I think you're right. The, the old Howie yeah. might have done done this differently. The old yeah. Howie might have taken this. That's as a why they're winning. I'm telling you, guys here. Joe Douglas and Howie are completely different people, but they met in the middle. Yes. That's all you have to do. Yep. Weidel, Weidel went to Villanova, but a lot of people know him around the league. He's really he's from Pittsburgh. He's a really sharp guy. He's an up and comer. When Waddle leaves eventually, become a GM, they'll have a plan in place. You, the best teams always think you had. Andy Reid will always talk about that, Jeff, before we transition here. He would have to have coaches in the pipeline who are younger guys like Sean McDermott. Guys who, because you look at everyone he lost, Ron Rivera, McDermott, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, guys who become head coaches, Brad Childress. If you don't prepare for it, mm-hmm. you're going to lose. 
if you don't develop better coaches, you're going to lose. And, and Howie's done a good job of bringing back guys in his past. Anthony Patrick came back. Yep. And finding guys from other teams. And, and Joe brought in T.J. McGrate, uh, who, who was with him in Baltimore and in, in Indy. Another and, Ravens guy, yep. Right, right. So he, and then Howie had his guys at who've been around with him. As you mentioned, Alan Walking. They brought in, uh, I think his name is Sean Heinland from the Bills, who had, mm-hmm. uh, who was a really good Southwest scout, and uh, all the guys that uh, like he oversaw. So to, to sum this up, they're in really good shape. And I would tell you in 16, I never would have believed it based on what I had known, but right. um, how he learned and, and how he's uh, sort of re- reawakening, visiting with other people on his hiatus, yep. certainly has paid him well. And credit to where credit is due. So I, you yep. know, as someone who myself has been very critical of Howie in the past and how he has handled his interpersonal relationships with other front office people in the NovaCare, I have to give him a lot of credit for continuing the tradition that he helped bring in with Joe Douglas here. Uh, let's move on to OTAs. Uh, we, you and I were both at the last OTA last week. Not not the last one, but the second last one, which is really the last one because on the final day, it's a shortened practice. So we got to see the last full practice uh, of the final of minicamp. And um, I think a couple of things both stood out to us. One, Carson looks good. I know in the practice we watched, he threw two bad picks, but he threw some. Re- he had a beautiful <laughs> touchdown to Deshaun Jackson as well. I always I'm not, laugh when. Not worried about I, the picks. I, I, and I don't want to pick on any of the, the local reporters, but I always laugh when. And I used to be one of the guys who used to chart practices. I thought that's what you do. Yeah. But the problem is, let's say a guy goes 15 for 18. Okay, well, where, grade the throws for me. Yeah. Where were the throws? Were they accurate? Is the throws anticipation? No. <laughs> right. But you just have to you have to take everything for what it is. Numbers don't tell me anything. I, right. I need to know more than that. What did you see, Jeff? Let's go to you first. What well, did you I see just, from Carson? I just think that the impact of Sean Jackson is going to have if he stays healthy and how that opens up the field for anybody. You could say Zach Ertz, but it's really going to be anybody. Hey, Jeff, Ertz actually <laughs> said that. I, I think he was either interviewed he was high, he's like, if you get Ertz and Goddard on the field, right, Jeffrey and Deshaun, mm-hmm. who are you going to cover? Uh, I think it's valid to say, and I know maybe some McNabbian, um, you know, truthers out there will <laughs> might might hate us for saying this. You didn't this, just say that. I did. I, I think Car- Car- it's scary to think that this late in Deshaun Jackson's career, he might be playing with the best quarterback that he's ever played with. Right, it's I true. mean, Donovan was really good. I would put Donovan at number two, and it's not like he's played with a bunch of chumps. I mean, Kirk Cousins is, in my mind, he's a good quarterback. I know he's been up and down, but I mean, he's played with good quarterbacks. But the idea that after thirty, he could have more production if he stays healthy with playing, just playing in this offense with Carson Wentz, has got to be a very, very up- promising thing for for Eagles fans. I, it's this, I mean, you you go from Torrey Smith. I thought Mike Wallace, healthy Mike Wallace, would have yeah, been an upgrade over Torrey yep. Smith. He sure. was not healthy. Sure. But there's no question that Deshaun Jackson's going to be the best Z receiver that that Carson Wentz is thrown to. He's in, <laughs> um, and let me tell you something. And, and by the way, so, so as we go through the offense here, the one notice, noticeable thing about Deshaun is you would only know if you're there. And I look for stuff on body types. I, I've watched so much tape in 20 years with Ron Jorsk and Greg Cosell. I, I, I kind of know what I'm looking at. So... I don't worry so much about you know, skill set now. I look for body types and mm-hmm. certain things about physical play. Deshaun is no longer so bony. His his legs have filled out a little bit. Yeah. Now, I think it's part of it is he's got that personal trainer. Apparently, he's incredible. One of the top speed coaches or personal trainers. Whatever he is, he's guy's really good. It's possible the Eagles could bring him in. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, we'll talk about that in the future. You know, the, yeah. Their medical staff changing. But dude, Deshaun turns 33 in December. I would argue, and again, I'm not there every day, but talking to people, you know, organizational people, 
He looks as good as he's ever looked. And that's saying something based on he's the best, been the best deep threat over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Don't put on what happened to him in Tampa on him. It's more Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. the quarterback. They're, they had no chemistry. Of course. What Jeff's saying is Carson looks so good. Deshaun looks so good. If everybody's healthy, I'm not saying Deshaun's going to have 90 catches or 80 catches. We had that one monster year under Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. Maybe he has 40 catches, 50 catches. But the big play possibilities are endless because Jeff just set this up That's very they, well. We talked about what they were missing. How are you going to cover them? Yeah. To right. sum it up. And that was really big last year. We we went on and on last year about their absence of a field stretcher opposite Alshon and Jeffrey and how much that hurt yeah. the offense. They tried. Golden Tate wasn't really the ideal field stretcher in the, the model you and I thought. He helped a little bit, but now they've got exactly what they need on and, that side. And remember, you mentioned Wallace and Matt Collins. Matt Collins, who could use a straight-line speed guy, 6'4", wasn't available. Well, it's just good to know he's alive right now. Yeah, That's, let me say one thing about Wentz. I didn't, why, why I, I graded his tape at a 6.75 to 7 over a 10-point scale. I know his accuracy was way up, almost 70%, which is crazy for a guy like Wentz, who's never been the most accurate guy. Right. I don't think his tape was reflective of the numbers, but a lot of it was based on people with a team that I spoke with a lot of it is because the, the, the passing was compressed because they nobody could run. Right. Though his per pass attempt was up a little bit, it was not reflective of what the tape showed. They no. just simply had no one who could stretch the field. should be exciting to see what he can do with Can't this wait. offense Can't if everyone's wait. healthy. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, and not that we judge anything by one practice, but you know, uh, it's clear. We've talked about this. There's no Nick Foles anymore to bail this team out if Carson gets hurt. And if you're just an idle spectator watching Nate Sudfeld play or watching anybody, even the rookie, Thorson, Clayton Thorson, who's had his normal rookie struggles, and Cody Kessler, who yeah. probably won't even be on this team you know, beyond June or July, I should say. I don't know. Um, but it's rough. I mean, it, there's, it's just not – and this is not blaming anybody. It's just the reality of life in the NFL. They're not going to be as good at backup quarterback, so it really puts the emphasis on Carson to stay healthy. Nate, look, Nate has never started an NFL game. Uh, Nate, I have heard, has been up and down. Yeah, he looked uh, it to me. He, I'm told by people – he held there, on to the ball a little bit too long. I was just going to mention that. Okay, so here's, here's, his, here's his issue. Because he does not have a lot of experience – and yes, now he's getting number two stamps instead of number three. And there, look, there are a lot of new players. That's probably part of it. Sure. And not everyone's practicing, obviously, because of, uh, you know, Alshon was not around. Right. Uh, Aguilar was not, not there. Right. Um, certain guys are not practicing. But nevertheless, he just does not have a lot of snaps under his system. And sometimes he's not sure what he's looking at. Like he knows, but the processing part of it, because he does not have enough snaps, mm-hmm. he needs more work. So Jeff brings up an interesting point. Right now, there's literally no one out there. Now, the Eagles could wait. They could bring someone in to compete against Nate in training camp. Josh McCallan, I'm, I know f- there are several teams waiting to find out whether he wants to play again. Because he'll have a job within five minutes. Once he declares that he's playing, he'll have a job. Mm-hmm. Where the Eagles are in on that, I'm not sure. But I know there are, I've talked to teams that are, are definitely interested in him. Interesting. So, so here's, the, here's the point here, to sum it up. It's either going to be Nate Sudfeld as the number two. He clearly is the number two now. There's no one who's good. Cody Kessler's not competing against him. In reality, the Eagles could say what he's want, what they want, but he's not. He can't throw the football. No. So, fact of the matter is, unless someone like that gets cut in mid to late August, he's going to be the number two. Right. All right. Well, then we'll have to see. And that just reemphasizes the point that 
you had an embarrassment of riches at the position for a while, and Nick Foles won't be walking through that tunnel anytime well, soon. Well, let's see how he does in training camp. It, it, yeah, no, I'm not saying, hey, listen. He can and he's had plenty. I've heard he's had plenty of good practices, but he's been up and down. But the bottom line is, it's very even if he's better than what we've seen, it, to be a Nick Foles level is a little bit asking too much, you know? So mm-hmm. it really puts pressure on, on Carson to stay healthy. All right, I brought this up earlier. You know, we talked a little bit with your flag football about Brandon Boykin, one of the um, few Eagles cornerbacks drafted who may, had a good rookie year since, say, 2002 when they brought it, when, when Andy Reid drafted Lito Shepard and Sheldon Brown. Lito. Because yeah. if you go through the list of cornerbacks, the Trevard Lindleys of the world, the Matt Wares of the world, I mean, they have ju- just blown it. At corner, I, I'm probably uh, Eric Rowe never really made the team. He was drafted in the second round. Is there anybody else? The I'm immortal missing? Jack Ikeguanu. Jack Ikeguanu. I There, there is a litany <laughs> of corners that this team drafted from 2003 until this past, you know, last draft. It's actually comical. <laughs> just, it, it's, it's bad. It's really, really bad. And yeah. none of them have really worked out. Brandon Boykin seemed to be like that breakthrough guy. Was a really good slot corner. Gave you two good years here, and then kind of tailed off, got injured, and faded you know, away. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Avante Maddox has a chance mm. to be, to me, uh, that guy because he has, he just plays with intelligence, with physicality, a chip. I, he just, he's a good, solid, instinctual football player. He's not going to be a superstar, but he's a really good player. Yeah. Or at least he's on his way to being he's a really got, good player. It, I haven't seen anything like this. It, it, let me, let's tell a quick story here. So Jeff and I are doing our podcast last fall and. Is for the Titans game. It, no one knew who was going to start at safety for McLeod. Right, and we got it wrong. We didn't. We didn't know what they were doing in practice because you don't get access. And I had not asked anyone because um, we could. We're like, there's no one left. Right. Now the only thing I knew is Avante Maddox is really smart. So he goes out against in the Tennessee game and he, he really did well for 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 never playing this position. Sure, he played well because he's super smart. And long story short, it, look, he played slot corner, outside corner, and safety mm-hmm. as a rookie. <laughs> As a rookie, folks, so and played them all fairly well. Yeah, he's he, they're, they're obviously onto something. Like this doesn't happen, right? And he he cares so much about the game. He's super smart. So my understanding is right now he's targeted to be their nickel corner, and the reason is Cravon LeBlanc does not run well enough. He's a smart, tough, physical player, and it's a great waiver claim they had for him last season. But he simply does not run well enough. So they're gonna Maddox's straight line speed is very good. He's time speed. I don't think he plays to his time speed, but nevertheless, he's fast enough, right? He's not as tall as you would like. Look, if he's five eleven, if he's five eleven, he's an outside corner. He's not. He's not. He's like maybe five nine and a quarter, mm-hmm. something like that. So, long story short, it's going to be Jenkins, obviously, and McLeod. It's you now the outside corners. One of them should be Sidney Jones, right? The other should, should be, Ronald be Darby. Should be Ronald Darby. Now we'll see with Darby. I I, I know, and I, I I mentioned it before it got out that. Darby's doing very well in his rehab. He's really moving along, and you saw him out there doing individual. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have plenty of depth. So, so Jeff, I think it's going to be Maddox slot corner. I think, and he he could back up a safety if need, he could be the fourth safety if you need him to. Where does Jalen Mills and Russell Douglas fit in? Yeah, I mean, we talk. I feel like we talk about this all the time, right? I mean, it's it's a to me, it's a competition between Sidney Jones and Jalen Mills. Uh, Douglas is going to be your backup. I don't think he has a chance to start. I thought he played well at the end of last year. Maybe if there's injuries, and there always seems to be injuries, he'll get in there. Uh, he's gotten in there every year. He got played as a rookie, and he played last year too. So he's a valuable backup, but I don't know if he's so valuable to other that other teams are going to make a bid to get him. Well, you had said uh, uh, maybe a month or so ago, it was either right before the draft or right after, you thought like he could be trade bait in August because they're kind of deep. I still think that 
if you have a battle for one spot between Jalen Mills and between Sidney Jones, and ideally Sidney Jones wins out, and Jalen Mills, who was a starter for your Super Bowl champion team, may have the type of people like tall physical corners. Uh, there are certain schemes where speed is not prioritized, including gyms. So there may be some trade value in Jalen Mills coming up on his fourth year anyway, one year left on his deal. You're not going to extend him here. Kind of like with Jordan Matthews a couple of years ago when you traded him and a pick to get Ronald Darby. Perhaps if Jalen Mills is not going to win your starting job, you either trade him or sandwich him with a pick and you bring in a player at a position you would need. Now, what would be that position right now? I don't know. The Eagles are pretty deep. Maybe it's the backup quarterback that, that you're referring to. Maybe it's another pass rusher. Man, it's I don't hard. know. Maybe it, it's a safety. You're not see the problem is Jeff. If you look at the, ro- the rosters around the league, you're not going to find a team with two quality backup quarterbacks. It's yeah. hard enough to get one. No, I agree. So it's it's good, and there's nothing out there. What and, happens to Eli Manning if Daniel Jones becomes a starter? Are they going to keep him on the roster to back up at they a, have that, to. They at pay, that price? They paid his roster bonus, and they, they, who's going <laughs> to back crazy. him up? Who would ba- who would back up Jones? Well, maybe Alex Tanney or whoever they've got. Is he's been on nine teams. from downtown. Yeah, he's he's a long ways away. So. It, it's they've got it. I think the next podcast because I, I eventually want to get to everything we saw in OTAs, but mm-hmm. they've got some interesting training camp battles. We'll get to that over the next couple podcasts. Um, they've got a lot of guys coming back from injury. This is I think Jeff's right though. This is a terrific roster. This, this may be Jeff. This may be, and I know I'm a little bit going a little bit out on a limb here. This may be the best roster that since Howie Roseman became the. General manager in 2010. Mm-hmm. This might be the best roster they have. Can I read you a text? Here's a text from I got from an organizational okay. source about. I just asked for his overall outlook of the team, and this guy usually doesn't sugarcoat anything, right? He's got no real horse in the race, but um, he texted me. Injury should be the only thing that doesn't allow this team its goals this year, and the goal this year is to win a Super Bowl. Injury, uh, and we <laughs> talk about this all the time. The depth is great at a lot of positions, maybe not linebacker, but enough in the secondary. Their main thing should be just staying healthy. You know, it's interesting. It's funny. Some of the fans who follow me on Twitter think I'm a homer. I'm like, I don't care if the Eagles win. Uh-huh. My job, and it's Jeff's job, to evaluate what we see and what we know, and what we hear. It's a great roster. What do you want? What do you want me to tell you? Like, do they have a weakness? Yeah, at linebacker. I'd say it's a weakness. They don't have great depth at defensive end. But as Jeff set up about a month ago, they're so their four man line, just on paper with Barnett, who's doing well in his rehab, Malik Jackson, Cox, and Graham. Is one of the better front fours. Yeah, I mean, go look at some of the best teams yeah. around the league. I mean, the Patriots had to trade for Michael Bennett just to get a decent pass rush. And no one has depth like this at D tackle. No, oh. they are Jernigan as your third. What team could get Jim Jernigan as its third? Trayvon DT. Hester apparently right had a phenomenal spring. I've, I've been told by multiple people. And you like Ridgeway? Jim Schwartz brought him up. I've, I've heard he's done well. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention Josh Sweat, who's probably one of the OTA superstars. I'm told uh, who who will compete for the fourth DN job. So. They've got a really good roster here, and Jeff just set up from someone he's talked with the, with the team. Clearly, they believe so. Now, injuries will, will impact that, but I'll tell you what, right now, folks, they've got it going on. Yeah. All right, let's get to some questions. Sure. Um, ask the Inside the Birds question, hashtag AskITB on Twitter if you ever want to hit us up, because we do this pretty much every podcast. Uh, first question comes from Herb at Herbicidal. On Twitter, and he says, is Howie's title change a part of a pay raise to match or exceed the huge deal that Joe Douglas got? You would have to think. I mean, well, <laughs> I, I don't know this, but I know general managers generally have built in that um, when team achieves certain level of achievement, they make, you know, they get extra money. So I don't know how his is set up, but in terms of, okay, if you win individually or if you make the playoffs, do you get extra money? Now, let's fast forward to what just happened. Joe Douglas gets a six year deal. 
I'm told he got between three and three point three million per season because uh, he had leverage. By the mm-hmm. way, uh, he has full, full per- personnel control. Howie has that. Um, we don't. Howie got a new deal when the Eagles after the Eagles won a Super Bowl. So did Doug Peterson. I mean, I guess, I guess, like they gave him the title because how could he not have the title if Joe Douglas has it? Right. I was laughing when I, when I didn't know that was going to happen. That how he'd be called general manager. He's the same role. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it maybe more money. Obviously, if he Herb, to answer your question, we knew he was the GM anyway without the title because he makes he has full control. So maybe they gave him more money to answer your question. I, I didn't even ask. I'll, right. I'll, eventually, I'll ask because I. I found the whole thing funny. Like all of a sudden, he becomes GM. He was he was running personnel, so overseeing it anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next question comes from Sobblegang at playing underscore opossum. This is a really good question. Which Eagles player is most likely to have a step down in production this year? I guess to answer that, mm. first we have to say, well, who had the best years last year that will be hard to duplicate? And the first name that came into my mind, and this doesn't mean he's going to have a bad year, but it just means it's going to be very difficult to match or exceed what he did last year, and that's Zach Ertz. Because this, <laughs> you hope that he actually has a step down in production because you don't want to see him catching Not 150 healthy, balls right. this year. You know, right, This is a very right. balanced offense. and. Right. You know, you don't want to see it hyper focused on just Zach Ertz. Yeah, so because because if you look at the if you look at the passing targets, Jeffrey, who I think will will lose a little bit of productivity, Djax, Aguilar's back, or Sega Whiteside, Ertz and Goddard, someone's going two guys are going to be hit for that. I mean, right. it's just they want to get. I'm just telling you, I told our folks this last fall, their off season project, and actually Doug said it. He actually said exactly what I said three months later. That it was a project to figure out how to get him involved. More two tight end offenses. Yep. Well, uh, more Dallas Goddard in the passing game. That's it. They yeah. ran. They run a high percentage of two tight end. They're top that's three. True. Oh, we should say more but they never, passing game. They never from, didn't really get him involved. Right. They had to figure him out. Well, this that's what Mike Rowe now being the full time OC is mm-hmm. that he has a full off season to figure it out with Doug, get him involved, and they're going to right. Any linemen? Anybody on offensive line or defensive line that may not be able to ha- repeat the success they had next year? I mean Fletcher or Kelsey. Perhaps I mean, both had really, really, really good years, but they're not. I mean, maybe Kelsey from a breaking down well, to an injury standpoint. All right, let, let's address this. So we'll address this one thing here. Okay, so with Malik Jackson next to Cox, I don't talk to someone with a team recently that they thought this would help actually help Fletcher because they said the problem with Fletcher is he gets double teamed so much because Jernigan was not himself last season. He missed a lot of time when he came back. He was not the same. Mm-hmm. So now you get Malik Jackson who's got a chip on his shoulder after how he got embarrassed by the Jaguars benching him. Tim Jernigan now, oh boy, he got embarrassed. He They declined his option. He comes back for 75% less money. He's got a chip on his shoulder. So yeah, I, I think I think Fletcher will be helped by all this, but he now has does not have to do it on his own. No, definitely not. All right, next question comes from Trocadero underscore SWE. Most likely position to address if and when Howie makes his, if and if or when Howie makes his training camp trade. Hmm. What was last year's training camp trade? Two uh, years ago, it was for Darby. Yep. Last year, I guess it was DeAndre Hall. Was that a trade or was that a waiver acquisition? No, I think that was a trade. DeAndre I mean, Hall was a trade. Seventh round pick. It has not worked deal. out. Now, no, I know no. it's only conditional seventh, folks, but I, I'm assuming Joe Douglas thought he knew, you know, I'm sure he knew he was with the player for one year. Right. Or actually, you know what? It might. I'm sorry. It might have been um, Dwayne Joseph, who was the pro director. Yes. So maybe he knew. I don't know. Whatever. It, it, he was a backup anyway. It's no big deal. But yeah, he uh, it hasn't worked out yet. Right? Uh, anybody? Any? I guess linebacker, maybe. But I, I don't really know that they're they value it enough well, to be given I'm, making a big trade to get a linebacker. I know they're pretty happy with Grugier Hill's offseason, and Zach Brown will be the middle, and 
Bradham will be back to the strong side. Yeah. Uh, they, Warlow looks good coming back from the ACL reconstruction. LJ Ford, has, he's a multiple position player. Nick Gary could play a good, decent backup. Yeah, Alex Singleton maybe. is a guy who they, you oh, know, yeah, very yeah. athletic. Right, right. Yeah. the Alfieri kid. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know they if they're going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. They don't right. need to be that good. Linebacker, you... Uh, yeah. If you're going to be weak in a position, that would be one of them. I would say more likely to make a trade if needed at trade deadline than, say, a big trade in training camp this late, year. Late August, DN, depending on how the, all the young kids sweat. Right. Miller and Ospin, who they actually have a man crush on. <laughs> anyway. All right, last one from Jeff Schramm at uh, Jeff underscore Schramm. Which position will be the hardest cut come late August? It's a great question. I think me, I think mm. I will say offensive line because they've got about five hmm. or six guys competing for probably four spot backup spots. I would say wide receiver. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, too. Shelton Gibson. Matt Collins won't get cut because he's a great special teams player. Right. Yeah, Shelton Gibson. They're way got... deeper at receiver now, not a one if everyone's healthy. Mm-hmm. I would say, I agree with Jeff, the offensive line. I would say DN, if the young kids come on. I yeah, think they're that'll gonna be fu- tough. Yeah. yeah, that one in corner. Well, yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah. Corner, corner there, is really this difficult. is again. This is it's. I don't. It's remarkable how deep this team is, and even at safety, where they were talking about not deep at all. Right. How about yeah. running back? Seriously, yeah. Cause oh yeah, that. Duh. Yeah, duh. There's, we should have said a, that. A, yeah, that's obvious. Honestly, it's a tough question to answer. This Boston so Scott tough. is really intriguing, man. I, I uh, I'm a little bit surprised. He's got some skill set I was not aware of. Because I mean, look, Howard, to finish this up before we get out of here, uh-huh. Howard, Sanders, Clement are going to be on the football team. The fourth back will either be Smallwood, Adams, Boston, Scott, or Pumphrey. Pumphrey almost certainly won't be on the team, barring something. He would have to have a training camp of his life. Yes. I mean, look, Smallwood is a pretty good fourth back. Yeah. But who's to say Boston, Scott, or what if Darren Sproles comes back? That's what I've said. Who's to say they're all not going to get cut to make room for Darren Sproles? Right, right. That's something we'll definitely be talking about a lot in July and August. But for now... That's going to do it for Inside the Birds, the leading podcast in Eagles Intel. For Adam Kaplan, I'm Jeff Mosher. Thanks for flying with us, Inside the Birds.